Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and you're listening to Smart, Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy. You know, supporting women is my passion and my purpose, and finding other women and men who do the same is one of my favorite things to do. Their stories are inspiring, and they help us understand that we can all succeed if we help and support one another in, in work and in our lives. These amazing conversations gave me the stories and wisdom from my earlier book, Leading Women, and also inspired me with my new book, In This Together, How Successful Women Support Each Other in Work and Life, which came out in 2019. Now this week, I'm pleased to introduce another amazing woman, Dr. Lois Frankel. I first interviewed Dr. Lois in 2007 about her first book, Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office, and has been rightly called the Business Bible for Women. In her long and impressive career, Lois has been a guest on Larry King Live, The Today Show, and featured in The Wall Street Journal, People Magazine, and many others. She has also worked with many corporate giants and domestic and international companies to give her the experience to really know what it takes to get and keep the job you want. Lois has started two social profit organizations to serve the needs of inner-city children and working women who live at the poverty level, and she has won many awards, including including the Los Angeles County Commission on Women's Women of the Year Award. She is now working on her ninth book to be released in January called Nice Girls Don't Speak Up and Stand Out, How to Make Your Voice Heard, Your Points Known, and Your Present Felt. How to Help Women Get Their Messages Across is one of her signature topics. She wrote a chapter about it in my earlier book, Leading Women, and we quoted her wisdom again in In This Together. So I am pleased to hear more about her current work and to welcome back Dr. Lois Frankel to Smart, Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy. Well, Lois, so good to have you back uh, talking again and having a conversation. Nancy, I'm always delighted to be talking to you. <laughs> well, you know what? We we really are soul sisters. We've been doing this stuff for so long. And you know what? It feels like it's getting better. Do you think it's getting better? Oh, boy. I think we're moving at glacial speed, Nancy. <laughs> well, you know, but, you know, two steps forward, I mean, one back, you know, I think – you know, this is going to be a big year coming up. This is going to be a big pinnacle year. I've, I've talked to more women about this than anything. Is this ultimate glass ceiling being broken? Ultimate. Uh, yes, and we thought it was going to be broken several other times. Yeah, but don't and you feel better this time? Don't you think we're better? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, Nancy. I would like to wholeheartedly agree with you, and yet I have reservations. Yeah. Because yeah. my my you know own experience is just when we think we have really arrived, the system really works to put us back in the place that it wants us. You know, it's that whole thing yeah. about we live in a white male system. Yeah. And but the but system there's something is different though going on. There's something. Uh, yeah, but you know, when you think about who continues to have the control and the power, they're yeah. going to have to relinquish some. Yeah. And people well, who have control and power, you know, whether it's men or women, don't necessarily yeah. like relinquishing it. 
No, no, but, uh, you know, we are developing a sisterhood, and women are supporting each other more and more. And I've always said, and I think you've always agreed, too, is that that's really where we, if we had the support of other women who supported each other in leadership roles, we would have we made that mark long ago, wouldn't we have? Oh, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, and women have their own fears around appearing to be too supportive of other women. And, you know, we've talked about this before, and yeah. it, it's not that they don't want to. It's that sometimes they pay a penalty if they do, but so do men. Yeah. You know, men who support other women, the research, the new research at least, is showing that um, they aren't as highly regarded as men who don't. Yeah. Well, I'm spending more and more time with men who really get it, and there's almost a sigh of relief because in this in this together, the book has a chapter strictly about male advocates, male sponsors, male allies, and when we talk, when I talk about this, there's almost a sigh of relief in the room. It's almost mm-hmm. like. They're not going to bash us. She's not going to bash us. And then afterwards, they come rushing up, and they're so happy to talk. They really are. They're so. They're almost. It's like the like we said. They they don't feel like they have to go over and hide on the other side of the room or whatever. But they come right up and say thank you, thank you, thank you. So you know that's just been my own personal experience when I've been out speaking. But let's talk about you because I think you are definitely. Uh, you're out there, I'm out there, so we both we have different perspectives, but similar perspectives. But, you know, first of all, Lois, tell us about you, because, you know, I, I think this is also an issue for women, is that when we look at someone like you, who's successful, who has it all together, who goes out there and and really uses her voice and her, and what she does for good, other women must think it's so easy somehow. Somehow you've had an easy road. You've you know things have come to come to you simply and easy, and and that's just usually not the case with any of us. When we tell our stories, then we start to bond with each other. So tell us, how'd you get to be you? How did that happen? Uh, yeah, I'm listening to you, and I'm thinking that's absolutely true. That it wasn't an easy road. You know, I came from a lower middle class family who's. You know, my father had a high school education and my mother was a nurse. So there was nobody in our family who went to college. And when I expressed an interest in going to college, my father said, like many men back then, she doesn't need a college education because she's just going to get married and have children and it's going to be a waste of money. So, you know, fortunately for me, my mother, who was a nurse, said, I will pay for it. Um, She's going to college. Wow. And now I don't think she quite saw my future the way I did. Um, She wanted me to be a teacher because she thought that it was better if you were a teacher because when you had children, you could have the school year off with them. Sure, absolutely. You know, and that that was logical. So kind of the the, um, compromise was that I wanted to be a psychologist. So (laughs) I got a dual degree, one in psychology and one in education. Right, right. And although yeah. I never used the one in education for, you know, traditional education, you know, I did use it in my psychology once I became a coach yeah. because, you know, it, it really does put the two things, as you know, coaching is about understanding people and it's also about educating them in terms of 
what they want or need to know to achieve their goals. But going back to that, so, you know, that was interesting. And then, then I realized, you know, well, if you have a degree in psychology, then what do you do? And so I really worked my way through my master's and my doctoral programs. My master's I got as a residence hall director um, at a college called Barry International University in Miami, Florida, which was run by Dominican nuns. Wow. And so because I was a residence hall director, I was living on campus um, with students and the nuns. And uh, one summer, I was hired by ARCO to write some job descriptions. And all of a sudden, I made more money in that summer than I was going to make on any campus probably for the whole year. Yeah. And I decided they may have taken vows of poverty, but I did not. (laughs) (laughs) And that really was my turning point around money. Yeah. Was that, yeah. well, wait a minute, you know, I can think bigger in terms of money. And this is, Nancy, this is what I tell women all the time. Like, I, I do a financial literacy program for low-income women, mm-hmm. and I tell them this same story. I say that, look, nobody was out there handing things to me. I had right. to figure out how to get it, but once I had it in my head, I wanted more money, I figured out ways to do it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so then I, I quit you know, that job. And I went to work for Arco, the oil company, which was, again, a step up. It was it was great. I was making more money than I knew what to do with at the time. And um, they also had a tuition assistance program. So I went back and I got my PhD and they paid for it. Wow. Um, yeah. So like, you know, my master's and my uh, PhD were almost all paid for by my employers. And so I tell women that too, that you don't have to have deep pockets to get your degrees. You need to figure out a way that you get them within a system that you can work because not everybody can work within these kinds of systems that I did. Uh, But if you can, it it really works. And then because I always wanted to be a psychologist, I quit ARCO after 10 years and I started a private practice of um, psychotherapy and I soon realized I wasn't cut out for it. Now, here, Nancy, you heard me talking. My yeah. whole life, all I wanted to do is be a psychologist, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I get I, to I be it. I understand. I understand. Did you did you go that route? Yeah. I, well, I am a psychologist. I still am. I'm a licensed psychologist. <laughs> oh, okay. So, but but you don't do you practice? You have a private practice? No, I haven't. I haven't done sit down therapy for over 25 years. I consider right. myself an educator. Exactly. See, and that's the whole point, because when I was in there doing therapy, I was thinking, I can't do this the rest of my life. What am I going to do? And fortunately for me, and don't forget, I quit a great job. And fortunately for me, somebody came to me and said, would you be willing to coach someone? And this was 30 years ago. Yeah. And I had no idea what a coach was, but I said, oh, of course I would. And then that's another message. Cutting edge, yes. Right? Yeah. It's another message I give to women. You don't have to know what it is to say yes and explore it. It's on the job training. Everything's on the job training. Yeah. Exactly. And guys get that. And and as you know, women have a little bit harder time with that. So anyway, so. Two degrees at least to try to even get the job. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, so. I eventually closed my private practice, and I just opened up a practice of coaching. It's called Corporate Coaching International. We do executive coaching, team building, leadership development. And really, that's how I got from being this this kid who literally had her bedroom in the dining room alongside a railroad tracks to where I am now. And again, like you said, I'm glad you're asking the question because everybody thinks that 
our paths must be easy sure. when, in fact, we kind of had our own trials and tribulations, didn't we? Well, but that, but that's why we do what we do. We did have those trials and tribulations, and heaven knows I heard more people tell me, well, why do you want to do that, or who do you, th- or who do you think you are? Yeah. I mean, th- that was probably the hardest thing for me, especially when I was working on my doctorate, is when women would say to me, what about your family? Because I, I, I had a family while I was working on my doctorate. And who do you think you are? And these two things alone for women who should have been supporting me and, and knowing that I had three daughters that I wanted to give them every opportunity to have in their own lives should have said, hey, go for it. Good for you. But no, it wasn't that way at all. It was more like, who do you think you are? Yeah, and, and then... I, and- yeah. And then that's the voice that plays in your head if you're not strong enough to talk back to it. Well, we know we were much stronger than that. Well, okay, let's talk more about you. You've continued your career. You've continued coaching and helping women to use their voices and to become the leaders they were meant to be. And I, I love this. The, the the business Bible that for women around the world for career advice, but you know, I love. I always love the title of your book, Nice Girls Don't Get the uh, the Corner Office. Nice Girls. So talk about that a little bit. And then 15 years ago, 15 years ago, which is even amazing. But have talk about the book, but also how have things changed or have, have they not? Well, yeah, it's interesting because I did write it 15 years ago originally. And um, I didn't like the title at all, by the way. It wasn't my title. My yeah. My title was Quit Being a Girl. Yeah. Because I wanted to be able to explain, you know, to me that kind of explains the difference between being an adult woman and a and a child is quit being mm-hmm. a girl. Mm-hmm. But they put that nice girls in there. And I said, you realize I'm going to spend the rest of my life explaining you can be nice and get what you want, yeah. uh, which has proven to be true. <laughs> I do have to explain it. But really, the title really is about you can't be the nice little girl you were taught to be in childhood and expect to achieve your adult goals. Right. And so that's where the psychology came in in terms of seeing uh, women engage in the repetition compulsion that those behaviors that worked as children about being coy or smiling or, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. Well, are women getting passed over for jobs because they've been so nice? Exactly. It's so nice and accommodating and accommodating. Yeah, and you and I both know that nice is necessary. It's just not sufficient. Yeah. So so really that that's what the book was designed to do. And then 5 years ago, I wrote uh, a 10-year anniversary of the book because I realized there were things that I didn't talk about in the book either because I was afraid to, and I'll explain that in a second, or because they weren't on the radar screen. So, you know, not on the radar screen or just things around social media. And there's a lot of mistakes. There's there's like a, a lot of mud puddles women can step into uh, around social media. So uh, I talk about social media mistake, body art, right, tattoos, things like that. Again, things that weren't on the um, radar screen. Yeah. And then in terms of things I was afraid to talk about was I knew that Caucasian women and women of color – had different experiences and have different experiences in the workplace. And the first go-round, I didn't write about it because I didn't feel like I was the right person to write about it. Mm -hmm. But I did talk about it in my keynotes. And I had women of color come up to me afterwards and say, you know, that's so true what you said about women of color have a narrower playing field 
um, that we go out of bounds more often by making very small mistakes, smaller mistakes that Caucasian women make. And they said, why didn't you write about it? And I said, well, I thought I wasn't the right person, but if you're saying I am, I will. And so in the new book, I, I also address some of that. But, you know, in the introduction to the book, Nancy, I say, this is the book I wish I never had to write. Because if things were that much different, I wouldn't have wasted time writing it. I would have written about something new. But the fact is, is that women are, in many ways, we are talking about the same thing that I talked about 40 years ago at ARCO. You know, I worked in equal employment opportunity. And but, so, but you know, but wait, a, but just I'm going to jump in here just for a second because yeah. I'm going to interrupt you. But Lois, at least now we're talking about some of those things that were oh, yeah. not that were not in open discussions, and women weren't saying, "Wait a minute, you know, what about this?" Or women of color are talking to Caucasian women, saying, "You know, this is a wonderful example of of what has happened, you know, over the years." But this, I was I was speaking at the diversity conference. Uh, it's been almost five years ago, but this wonderful woman who was going to be the mediator was a woman of color, and she came up to me, and and I guess it was like, who do you think you are? Why are you here? You know, this blonde-haired, white, Caucasian woman walking. She goes, she says, what's wrong with you white women? And and I just (laughs) kind of stood there, and she she said, you had affirmative action. You had all these things going on, and what did you do with it? What is wrong with you all? And I looked at her, and the only thing I could really come up with is I said, I don't think we like each other. And you know what? That woman just stopped and looked at me. And, you know, I think at that point that she absolutely understood exactly what I was saying. Since then, we've become good friends, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes you do have to put it out there like like that, don't you? Did you just be honest? Yeah, really. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, we're going to see her again in November. I can't wait to talk about it some more. So, Okay, so so things have changed, but they haven't changed in the in the respect that 40 years ago, some of the, still th- some of the things are still going on. But again, we're talking about it. How are we talking about it now? How is it different? Well, you know, the the places that we're talking about it and, you know, and I'm not seeing women of color and Caucasian women talking about it as much as I would like. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, an African-American colleague of mine and I put together, it it was like a talk and we called it Ebony and Ivory. Mm -hmm. And it really was talking about the different experiences of women of color and Caucasian women in the workplace. We We couldn't get anybody to let us deliver it. Oh really? You're kidding? We, yeah, we couldn't get anybody to let us deliver it. It was like, well, we need to get you to the Diversity Women's Conference because Dr. Sheila Robinson, who's the CEO and founder of Diversity Women's Magazine, I mean, she is absolutely fantastic. Her whole goal is about diversity. That's mm-hmm. why I learned. I, that's why I learned the word inclusion. And inclusion mm-hmm. is. She is. I mean, there are still women of color who say, "Nope, we worked too hard. We're not going to let you, all, you, you white women in." You know. But then mm-hmm. Sheila says, no, 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 this is about all of us coming together. And, and as you know, In This Together was written with the understanding and women of color, the, the gay lesbian community, trans looked at it. We had every woman, woman look at it to make sure it was politically and correct as far as what the population would read and go, yeah, that's me, or yeah, that's okay. You know, and, and, and I think that's part of it still. We have to, we have to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. The only way it's going to happen is if we sit down and go, wait a minute, let's talk about each other. 
But, you know, what I'm hearing more and more also is that each woman needs to understand they're unique and special in their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I 100% agree with that. And to embrace those gifts as just that gifts yeah. and the differences, you know, the, in, in the end, I know we're all more the, sa- more the same than we are different. Yeah, At the absolutely. same time, it's those differences that bring a richness to our decision-making and to our lives and, you know, just every aspect of society. Or that but, creates barriers. Or, creates or that barriers, creates barriers if you change. don't. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't pay attention to it, it absolutely creates bar- barriers. And um, something you just said about, oh, kind of went in and out of my head. Well, it'll come back in if it's important. Sure. If it's important, it will. Yep. So, you know, so that's really what I'm seeing in terms of what are – Where's this happening? It's also happening in something that's different that wasn't around as much 10 years ago and certainly wasn't around 15 to 20 years ago are these um, women's affinity groups. Yeah. Um, or some places call them employee resource groups, ERGs. So talk and about those. What are, what are those for us to know more? Yeah, what these are, they're groups and corporations of people who share similar challenges. Whether they're called employee resource groups or they're called affinity groups, they're groups of people who share common challenges. So a place like, I think I was at Pepsi once, they had like 12, at the time, 12 or 14 different affinity groups. They had them for women. They had them for um, Asians. They had them for Latinas. They had them for LGBTQ. Um, You just name it. They had it because they really respected diversity, and they wanted people to talk about it. And this is where I'm seeing more women talk, talk about these things. And I'm trying to get particularly the women's groups to make a conscious effort to invite women of color into the groups because a lot of times the women of color don't want to go into the groups because they're primarily white. Right, and they're yeah. and they're talking about white women's issues. They are not reflective all, always of the African American or the Latina or the Asian experience in sure. the workplace, and those are very different experiences. So, w- when women talk about the women's experience at work, they're almost always talking about the Caucasian experience, and I think, we, like you said, w- we need it's to be conscious change. of yeah, yeah, change. yeah. But that's but mm-hmm. the, what's interesting. That you know we're over fifty five percent of the population, but of that population, we're probably over fifty percent women of color and Latinos. So yeah. we we've got we're out of whack as far as what we're what we all need to be talking about as far as you know our issues are similar but they're different. But how they work in the workplace until we all come together. It's that's why in this together. So God, it's about all of us working together. We have to do it. We have to. There's no choice. It is, and nobody else. I have to give you credit for that, Nancy, because nobody else was writing a book like that, and you wrote it right at a time when it was critical, or you you gathered, you know, all the ideas, and you put this together at a time when it was critical, because people often say to me, and probably have said to you too, don't you think women are their own worst enemies? I hate that question. I hate that question, because I always answer, no. You know, it's not my experience, and I don't think that it's most women's experience that other women are their enemies. Now, are they supportive? Maybe not, but they're not their enemies. Well, I think that's just the best way to create a conversation, because I've said it before, too. I think women 
we get in each other's way. And, and again, we go back to, because we talk about bias. But women have more biases towards themselves that they need to understand, which carry over to their biases against other women. Like, who can be leaders in the workplace? Well, we've seen the research. Women make fantastic leaders. But if you ask someone in the workplace, who would you rather work for, a man or a woman? I mean, it gets real convoluted there. I mean, so you write about this. You say, you know, women need to understand what a leader is, what a leader looks like. And, Mm -hmm. you know, because women have been leaders in their homes and in their communities and probably in their jobs, but they don't define themselves as leaders. And I think this is what we're, where you're talking and where we're going with this is that, you know, we have to look at ourselves and, and understand how our own biases are interfering with our own progress and how it's, it's holding us back. Absolutely. And, and, you know, in the problem is the problem in some ways. You know, I, I wrote the book See Jane Lead, and it includes all the things you just said. Yeah. It talks about how we don't see ourselves as leaders, but we are leaders. We lead right. all the time. We just don't call ourselves leaders. It sold the least of all my books. And I didn't do anything differently around promoting it. it yeah. Everything was the same. I think it's the problem is the problem, that if women don't see themselves as leaders, they're right. not going to buy books about women in leadership. You know, but leading women really did well, and it's still selling. You know, so there are there is a population of women out there that are truly wanting to be leaders and looking for mentors and role models to to help them to understand what that looks like and what that's all about. We're still climbing up the hill. We're climbing and climbing, but. But when do we get to the top? Or what does the top look like for women? I guess that's a good question right there. What does the what does the top look like? You know, for me I always say the top looks like us not counting anymore. Yeah. Like for example, the Supreme Court. If we're not counting how many women are on the Supreme Court, then we we've kind of arrived. If we're right. not counting how many world leaders that's are a women good point. Yeah. Yeah, we've arrived. Um, I want to get to the point where nobody, if we had a Supreme Court of all women, nobody would think that that was unusual. It was no. just we hired the best per- people. Yeah, so, the best people doing the job. Yeah, exactly. So for me, that really is the top, is when we get beyond even considering gender or race in sure. making decisions. And right now it's appropriate to consider because yeah. we haven't reached the top. Well, I just I, I was just talking to an attorney yesterday, and we were talking about restrooms. She said, "You know, it's illegal now to have a, just a men's re, a men's or a women's restroom." And I went, "Oh, I forgot. I did not know that." But I mean, this is what we need to see that's going on at some level. Is that soon it's just going to be us and them, or we and you and uh, you and me? There won't be a she and he. It'll be a <laughs> mm-hmm. we're, we're 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 making headways in some places that. <laughs> So, I mean, it's we're going to have generic bathrooms before we have other things. But, uh, you know, at least visually we're starting to think about that as uh, as people instead of he's and sh- he and she's. I mean, I think we still have to keep thinking. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry. I'm still into the numbers because until we start to see some equity and some equality yeah. as far as that goes. Because, you know, here it is, 2000, 2019, and we, we don't have that leadership component yet i agree with you we have to we do have to keep we've got to see we've got to see the mark we've got to feel that we can hit that mark but uh 
you know, you've got you've got so many books. You've got a new book coming out in January, and it's in your Nice Girls series. <laughs> yes, so, I do. I was so, actually so how, just how looking are we going on. To, how are we going to be looking at Nice Girls now? Now we're going to look at how Nice Girls speak up and stand out. Yeah. And the like reason it. why I wrote this book, I always have a reason. You know, I don't write a book just for the sake of writing a book. I write a book because I have a reason to. Is because People come up to me um, after my keynotes and they say things like, do you have a book on communication that talks about it exactly the way you just talked about it? Headline communication, using iMessages, you know, using contrasting, desk script, all these things. I said, I don't know one book that puts it all together is the problem. And then I thought, well, then why don't you write the book that puts it all together? And I pitched it actually to my publisher, Hachette, in New York as an audio book because I said it doesn't make sense to read this stuff. You have to hear it. Yeah. When I talk about headline communication involves three steps, th- you know, that's flat. But when I say here's how it sounds, you can really get it. So it's going to be an audio book, and it's scheduled for for release January 7th. Wow. Very good. Well, I've been asked about In This Together, and you're right. I think if people, if women heard this and men heard this, it would definitely hit hit different marks that it needs to hit. You know, I mean, like I said, we, we, we keep trying to, to write that book that, I mean, if anything, food for thought. You know, we've got to get people to start thinking in a different way, and you've been doing that for a long time, and, and we've been doing it for a long time, and so, you know, we just have to keep at it. We're just not done. We're not done yet. No, we're not. I mean, every once in a while I get tired, and, uh, and I've been told that that's your, that's your sign that it's just time to rest. It doesn't mean you're going to quit. Yeah. You just have to rest a little. No. Yeah, I, I know we've talked about that before, and, and I, don't, I, don't ever, I don't ever use that R word because, to me, it's reinvention. Uh, you know, the R word is the reinvention word that I use. Or, or you know, I want to be around and, and watch things and just say, wow. Isn't that great? You know, I, I was with Gloria Steinem in New York a couple of weeks ago, and it's it's great to see. Here she is, 85 years old, and mm-hmm. she's sitting there, and she's talking to a group of women who are totally spellbound, but she's, it's, she's all about common sense. Yeah. She's all, also about lifting women as you go, and this is what we have to do each day. If we lift another woman up and lift another man up, you know, lift us all up as we go, something is going to continue to get better. It's going to get better. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much that you and I can continue to talk about. And I just want to mention your foundation because I think it's so prop. We call them, by the way, social profit organizations. We don't use that that N word because your organization socially makes such a difference in the world. And, and, and you are uh, a breast cancer survivor, and mm-hmm. your uh, your month is here, October. I'm a I'm a, a, actually a founder of a breast cancer foundation, breast cancer foundation of the Ozarks, and we're having a huge uh, fundraiser this weekend. But Bloom Again Foundation is your, is the name of your foundation. So just a couple of words about that, because this is this is your big month. October is the big month. Yes, Bloom Again Foundation provides rapid response financial assistance to working women who live at the poverty level. So these are women just like you and me. They're working very hard. They're working every day, but they're low-wage earners. And what we know about them, you know, in the state of California, there's a lot of glitz and glamour here, as you know, but in the state of California, two-thirds of low-wage earners receive zero paid sick days. And low-wage earners are more likely to be terminated from their jobs if they have to take time off because they're sick. 
And so what we do is we want to level the playing field for all women, that healing shouldn't be only in the domain of the wealthy. And uh, women who are low wage earners go back to work way too soon after they've been diagnosed with cancer or other serious illnesses because they need to put food on the table, pay the rent. So what we do is we pay the rent, we put give them food cards, we pay for utilities so that they can take time to heal, get back on their feet, and go back to work healthy. That's what we do. That's exactly what uh, Breast Cancer Foundation does as well, of the Ozarks, is that cancer affects the whole family. It's not mm-hmm. just an isolated situation. And again, you've got to pay the rent, you've got to pay your bills, and the last thing you need to do is, is have, have challenges with all of that as well. But it's definitely a wonderful service and so very, very important. So congratulations on that. Continued success on that as well. All right, so I know you're, you're one of the business people I know, but you do some amazing things. What would you like people to know about you before we end this wonderful conversation? Oh, what would I like them to know? Wow, nobody ever asked me that question, and I feel like I'm a little bit at a loss for words. I would like people to know that I am just um, a curious, sometimes bold and often foolish, uh, adventurer. (laughs) That I go off and I do things because I'm curious about them and I want to do them and Sometimes I learn stuff, sometimes I don't, and that's who I am, and I think people never see that side. Yeah, well, I make sure people know that I'm going to U.S. Nationals and ride ride four horses and drive three horses at U.S. Nationals. I'll never give up to, uh, riding and driving, but wow. you know, I mean, we, we've got to continue to, to try new things, get out there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a wonderful world if we keep keep doing amazing things and allowing things to come to us. And uh, I know you and I have so many similarities, and this is Mm -hmm. not the last time we're going to talk. But uh, all right, so where can they find your books, the book coming out in January, and then also your website and all that good stuff? Yeah, all of my books are available wherever you buy your books, Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever. And... um, The new book should be out, because it's going to be Audible, it'll probably be out on Audible and also on Amazon and all those other bookstores, too. Mm -hmm. We're still having a discussion about it, which is why I hesitated. And um, my website is just my name. It's Dr. Lois Frankel with no periods or anything, drloisfrankel.com. I like that. Keep it simple. Well, let's talk again in January because uh, I want to talk more about this book, and, and then we'll just kind of catch up because we're, we're going to be starting the new year, and just around the corner we're going to have something, some other things going on. So uh, let's keep moving forward, and thank you so much for your time, your energy, and your passion to make this oh, world thank, a better place. Thank you, Nancy, and, and thank you for all you do for women. Thank you. Well, we'll just keep doing it. How about that? Sounds good. Have a great day. Thank you. You too.